And now, The Ropes. Welcome to The Ropes. I am Rafe Bartholomew from Grantland.com. I am joined, as always, by my man, Brian Campbell, who's calling in today from... Are you at the Mob Museum with a toy gun, Brian? What are you doing there? Get off gotcha. Instagram. Gotcha. Got him. Oh, man. Brian, what you know? We're gonna you're gonna have to straighten yourself out someday, man. Otherwise, you know, you, you you're just gonna you're just gonna waste it all. You know, you, all this God given talent. Hey, when's your guy A B gonna get about boxing? Right? Anytime soon? Come on. I mean, you, he's about why be about boxing when you can be about billions? Exactly. Woo! Hey, we got a lot to talk about on this week's The Ropes. Well, of course, we're going to be interviewing middleweight titleist David Lemieux, who's coming off a, a, a unanimous decision win over Hassan Endam over the weekend for a Fun vacant fight, middleweight man. title. Fun fight, you know, the best fight of the weekend, one of the best fights of the year. But that wasn't the biggest story from this weekend. As, as we look back on the weekend that was a very busy boxing weekend, one of the busiest of the year. But the biggest fight on paper, maybe the biggest PBC fight on paper up to this point, of course, was Adrian Broner and Sean Porter in that 144-pound catchweight bout. But, Rafe, uh, the headlines swerved in Broner's direction after the fight, where he took home the loss by unanimous decision. What's your reaction to this? Look, man, we all saw we saw the fight. It was a pretty garbage fight i mean we look uh, sean porter you i respect what he does he's a sloppy fighter and in this case he outfought you know broner in his style i don't even know what broner i don't know if he had a game plan i don't know if he was his inactivity was was obviously a big issue and a big reason why adrian broner lost this fight lost the decision and his and and his plan of just holding and pushing and and forearming and open face gloving Sean Porter, you know, fouling as much as he could until he was finally deducted a point in the 11th round. It didn't really make any sense. It wasn't very pretty to watch. I think people always have experienced a little bit of like schadenfreude whenever uh, Broner loses because he is one of these guys that people root against because of his character and his the sort of ostentatious behavior and all that stuff. Um you know, it was it, but really, it was not a very satisfying fight for either guy. Uh, I, and I, I think the right guy won. And I want to see what Porter can do in the future, and, and and he'll get an opportunity to prove that. But I guess really the big question now is what happens to Adrian Broner? Is he is he a salvage? Is there anything to salvage? Is he worth trying to save? Does he have a future in boxing? What do you think, Brian? Uh, this was this felt like his last straw to be an elite level fighter. You know, we've given this guy so many chances in a lot of ways. I mean, some people have hated him from the beginning because he's got that polarizing style. But look, this fight, unfortunately for Sean Porter, although he controlled it with effective aggression, constantly in AB's chest, mixed up his rhythm, basically by mixing up his rhythm and being a little bit more different and not as predictable as Porter was in his loss to Kell Brook, that's what won him the fight because AB didn't, it took away AB's jab. Broner didn't know what to do, and that's really the key of this fight. This fight wasn't all that, that Porter did, it was what Broner didn't do because we debated coming in, is Broner going to be the boxer like he was against John Molina and play smart and play to his, you know, play to his strengths, or is he going to try to be the puncher? which he, at 140, 147, has tried to do to a fault. Rafe, he was neither. He wasn't the boxer or the puncher. He was the lost counterpuncher who's throwing one punch at a time. He's following. He's doing all those things. Now the question that you asked me is, can he be saved? Look, I, I think, uh, I mean, 
I think it's past that point now. I think, you know, and I'm the guy who was all in on him from the beginning, then sold my stock, you know, after the, the Maidana loss, after he just didn't change his style after that, then sort of bought back in because, look, he's still so young. The talent to me is still there. But there's that big disconnect between the talent that we know he has and what he shows in the ring. And mentally, he just doesn't look like a fighter who who gets himself uh, in shape mentally and physically enough to, to have to win these fights on the elite level. He can beat these B and C level guys, but he, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to click. Like he's ever going to become that guy. I mean, maybe it's too much too soon. He wins three titles in three divisions by age 24, gets all the money and the hype, but yet hadn't really beaten anybody yet. And I think not only are all boxing fans ready to just be done with this guy, he put himself in a bad spot. When you're all or nothing with this type of behavior, Rafe, and people tune in to see you lose, when you start to lose a few times, people are going to stop caring pretty quickly. That's so right. as much as we're all kind of throwing in the towel on him, it kind of felt like his big bro, Floyd Mayweather, may have been doing the same thing. Was I wrong? Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. I mean, I think with with, with Broner, yeah, it, if you have to, obviously if you're going to bet on it, We've seen enough now. We know that he is. N- you would bet against him ever reaching an elite level in the sport. You know, regardless of whatever you know flashes of talent he's shown or skills that he may or may not have, whether or not you believe that it's somewhere buried there or not, uh, the thing that really dooms him in my eyes is that I don't think he he has the the attitude or no, I don't mean that like he's a he's a ostentatious he has a bad attitude type of way uh but I I mean I don't think he has the the sort of inner strength or the fortitude or whatever you want to call it the intangible uh to 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 be a fighter and the hard work that comes with it and the what 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 tips me off is the way I see him sort of looking for easy ways out um looking and, and and sort of also he seems very very willing to make excuses and and sort of you know deflect uh responsibility when things go wrong and and you see that sort of when he doesn't know when he couldn't handle some of the things Porter was doing in the fight on Saturday night you see all the holding and the fouling and basically that's just sort of that's you know that's that's almost asking his way out of the fight. He's lucky Tony Weeks didn't uh, penalize him more and get close to a disqualification for some of the stuff he was doing. And we saw him, although while, you know, way back when he fought Marcos Maidana and lost, he showed some toughness and came back. He also did a few things to try and get out of that fight and, and, oh, no. and you know, sort of flop his way into a disqualification win at certain times. Uh, so, uh, you know, that that that... Looking for an easy way out that's sort of, oh, this shouldn't be hard. Well, boxing, I, I, it probably is not controversial to say is the hardest sport in the world for any athlete. I guess other combat sports are, are similar. Um, so the idea that boxing is ever going to be easy, you can't, I don't think Adrian Broner can succeed that way. And I think he wants it to be an easy sport. So that's, that's why I write him off. But let's, let's, you know, let's treat this as a thought experiment here. You know, people have invested money in him and he probably still, they probably can squeeze more money out of him. So let's, let's, Play it straight here and say, "Play a game. We Let's have to. We have to rebuild Adrian Broner. What can we do? What? How do we turn this and turn this around and 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 actually help him reach something closer to his potential?" So we're playing a game called Extreme Makeover Broner Edition. Is yes, that what this yeah, is? yeah. So we're gonna you know we're gonna start move that with bus? start with go start with Diamond Fronts from Johnny Dang, of course. 
<laughs> well, I got, I got sort of three quick fixes here on how this might work. Can I give them to you? Yeah, here? lay it on me. Lay it on me. All right. Number one is a bold move that's not going to happen. It, it's, <laughs> it's comedic. But if it does happen, you're going to need reality TV show cameras. And you can build a show around this. You want to do something quick because obviously he's got to change trainers. Brian, I mean, his Brian, trainer... let's go one by one. Let go one, two, three. I mean, I'll, I'll get back to you each time. All right, he's got to train, change trainers. Look, we know that that Mike Stafford is a good trainer, got a good amateur background, been with him, but but it's just there's it's not getting through anymore. It's time to change. Let's go drastic. Let's give a man Wolf. All right, <laughs> let's dial that relationship up right away. You want to see AB have to work in camp? You want to see him get mentally broken down and built back up? You want to see a drastic change to get all of his abilities out of him? That's interesting. Number two, I might set up a pro wrestling style heel turn. You want to be able to squeeze one more big big money situation out of Broner before he's pretty much done? Then set up a major heel turn in a fake beef with Floyd where he turns on Big Brother where they turn this into an angle and that builds toward a big pay-per-view regardless of what people think of AB's uh, talent, that would that would pull people back in where he's talking trash to Floyd and they consummate that in a big giant pay-per-view where he cash Broner <laughs> out. Or, or my third one here you maybe just use him as an exclusive A-side fighter in carnival fights. You know, hook him up with Victor Ortiz. Hook him up with guys, big names on the way out. Hook him up with guys who shouldn't be in there with him. Anybody who's a wild brawler, anybody who can talk trash and just keep using him as a as a co-main, you know, PBC on Spike headliner and just milk his name for what it's worth. I'm not, are any of those realistic? Is there any chance to get the most out of him by doing that? Well, look, I mean, the, the, your second, the second two ideas are probably more realistic. I mean, if you have him now, you're probably seeing what he's, you know, what he's done so far and thinking, how can we cash out and at least make some money off of the, the name that we've built? Uh, because he's probably not going to reach the, 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 the elite level as an athlete. Um, but I, to me, those are almost less interesting. I think, I mean, like, I would enjoy seeing him uh, in carnival fights with Victor Ortiz. I mean, they could have that as the undercard for a fight, you know, every, every four months I would watch that. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I'm more interested in sort of how you would actually go about doing a serious rebuild and i think that you're right number one on that list is getting him in a new atmosphere getting him trained with a new trainer and that's again no knock on mike stafford uh it i think it's really just getting him out of his comfort zone getting him out of cincinnati where he seems to, and the and the lifestyle in miami and vegas and everywhere else he's traveling and going you know on the adrian broner club tour from the end of last year um you know you you really got to lock him up somewhere I, I shouldn't say that i don't mean you know that's a that's a bad double whoa, entendre. Whoa, whoa. You gotta you gotta put him, you know, in a in a place where he can do nothing but find out if he's a fighter. You know, and, and Ann Wolf would bring that out of him, but you know, Ann Wolf also might, you know, accidentally murder him. Um <laughs> Uh, and, and I just don't think, you know, he would take to Ann Wolf. Uh, I don't, I also don't know who he would take to, but it, w I think it's worth trying. Maybe send, maybe, you know, send him up to the summit and see if Abel Sanchez and, and Gennady Golovkin can turn him in, turn him around a little bit. Don't Dude, let him Abel off the mountain. Abel wants good character. If you learn um, anything from listening to this podcast, Abel wants strong character in his Yeah, game, but right? I mean, you know, maybe he'd be willing to give him a try. I mean, you know, if you pay, Abel probably also likes money, you know, and, and, you know, if you give him some of that about billions of money, maybe he can turn him into a more serious guy. Look, Adrian Broner, if if someone could turn him into give him the mindset of a fighter, he might be a really good fighter. You know, we, we've seen some flashes of it. So there's there is that there. I don't think anyone's going to get it out of him. But I, I if I were 
if I had to, I would try something drastic like that. Senate. I mean, I know he has some history with Robert Garcia, but Robert Garcia takes Ronnie take, Shields. He's a Ronnie Shields. I don't. I, he needs a real hard ass trainer. I mean, Ann Wolf is a great idea, but a, hard ass Boons? Is that what you're talking she's, about? Right now? You know, crazy hard ass Boons. Should we get Birdie? Yeah, he needs to. Yeah, he needs to go above the rim. No, oh, I mean, cool. I, I he needs someone who's uh, who's can somehow reach him and be hard, hard, hard on him and break him down and then build him back up into a, into a fighter. And that's, I mean, so many steps now that you, it, it sounds ridiculous just bringing it up. But well, the, the narrative that's what you would want to do. I agree. The narrative has changed, though, in the last you know day or two of, well, maybe he was never that good to begin with. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I, obviously, he had this advantage at 135 in size, and he wasn't really beating big names. And it, it led to this thing where we were in love with what he could be. And then he came to 40 and 47, and he just never adjusted his style, still thought he was a big puncher. I still think the talent is clearly there. It's just he doesn't realize that he needs to box, use his jab, use his movement, use his strength. So a, a correct trainer could potentially pull that out of him if he can get A.B.'s respect. Right, and who knows at this point in time if A.B. really will respect any other human individual. I mean, he, he acts like he doesn't have that sort of base level respect to a lot of the people around him. But we don't see him behind closed doors. Who the hell? Who knows, really? But he he definitely doesn't seem to respect the kind of hard work it takes to, to you know, to train for, for a, a big fight because he didn't seem prepared to fight Sean Porter. And his post-fight comments, of course, were right. classless. Right, he's just, just, just blowing it off. Yeah, he's trying to show that he doesn't care. The reality is he's probably so embarrassed he didn't know what to say, you know? So it's let's go right back into the A-B routine and as you know, I teased earlier, it kind of felt like uh, like Floyd was kind of pulling out, right? Uh, whoa, uh, yeah, it did feel <laughs> well, yeah. Like let's that. Re- let's, no, no, let's no, no, erase no, no, that. No, 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 don't worry, don't worry. No, we're good. We're good. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. No, I mean, look, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I don't try to read too much into the Floyd Mayweather tea leaves. Uh, you know, yeah, he, he, he. He might be distancing himself a little bit from Broner and putting forth Errol Spence as like the new guy and the you know the whole baby brother routine. But at the same time, we saw this week after uh, after Floyd Senior made some comments about how bad he thought Broner was. Uh, <laughs> Floyd came out and defended him, so he's still looking out for him. Uh, and, and who I mean, at one point in time, the whole baby brother routine was thought of uh, was seen as a way for Floyd to uh, to to sort of put off the, the, the need to fight Adrian Broner. People thought he was True. that good that, that Floyd was bringing him into the fold so that he wouldn't have to fight him at one point in time. So well, here, Here's why it feels like Floyd is pulling out from my point of view because, like I it said last episode, it just felt like every video they're showing us in the gym leading up to this fight, Floyd was in Broner's ear. They're putting out videos of them in the car driving home together. Like They seem like maybe Al made the call. Hey, Floyd, you got to fix this guy. You know, you got you to show him professionalism. Mm-hmm. you got to teach him how to do this. Well, after this fight was over, it's the guy you mentioned, Errol Spence Jr., who had a victory over Phil LaGreco on the undercard. Uh, In Spence is, you know, one of the hottest prospects in the sport. After the fight, Floyd stands outside the media tent at the MGM with, with Spence, puts his arm around his shoulder, and for about 45 minutes, and there's a lot of videos of these, of these interviews on YouTube. He's talking to any, any uh, reporters that, you know, that'll listen about how Spence is the next big thing, about how Spence needs to be in a big fight in the fall against Sh- uh, Sean Porter or Keith Thurman when Floyd eventually gives up one of those welterweight titles that, that he won from, uh, from Manny that he said he's going to drop. He's suddenly talking, you know, no talk about AB. It's all Spence, 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 which is, you know, kind of interesting if this guy's the new little brother. 
Well, sure, yeah. but I mean, like, what what is he going to say about Broner after those fights in the, in the in the media tent? Is he's not going to be demanding that Adrian Broner get big fights? You know, it's not a whole lot to say. You know, he's going to have to. You, you, the best you can say is that well, he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and learn, but, figure out what the what he's doing. True, but here's what's interesting: Floyd's like he hit his arm run. He's playing like the role of promoter, and this was the first card that Mayweather Promotions had promoted a a PBC card. Okay, if, but if every sure. promoter who works with PBC is basically just a front. Right, and this was the but no one had even talked about that Mayweather was the front. It was those three other promoters that that sort of have a chunk of each side of the of the map, uh, you know, of the U.S. map. Debella in New York, you know, Warriors in Chicago and around there. Goosen was handling the West Coast. Suddenly, it wasn't really announced. You just turned into the pre-fight press conference, and Leonard Ellerby's running this press conference. And now Floyd's suddenly in promoter role, and he's sort of taking over the well. Spence is the next big thing. I want him to fight this guy and this guy. Is that potentially a? a a mechanism so no one talks about, hey, Mayweather, this guy Spence is on the way up and he looks really good. Maybe you should fight him before you go. Is there any, you think there's any sort of uh well, Sure, I see that. But I mean, how close that? is Errol Spence really to to fighting Floyd Mayweather? I mean, Mayweather says he's got one fight. A lot of people believe he might have two fights left in his career. Spence had just beat Phil Logreco. Well, uh, okay. that I mean, he and he's a brilliant talent. And, and you know, he looks like the kind of fighter who would, oh, he looks so good in beating these guys that you th- might think, man, Maybe he should fight for it, but like it just, it just he's he's not gonna their their level their their careers aren't gonna meet soon enough for it to happen. It seems so true. But if you believe in conspiracy theories, there was a, a an interview on YouTube that the Boxing Voice does a great job of interviews that was in Sean Porter's hotel room after the weigh-in, talking to his dad and trainer Kenny Porter. Kenny Porter's recalling this this sparring story, and I know you know it's it's secondary. Can can you you know secondhand? Can you believe it if he was there? But he was in the gym when Floyd had just gotten out of jail in late 2012. He's just getting back into shape. Earl Spence, you know, either had a couple pro fights or still an amateur at that point. Kenny Porter saying that Spence knocked Broner down actually made him cry. Well, then I, when I, the ring- he said he didn't knock him down. He said he wobbled him bad, and oh, they had to right, stop too. it. And then they made him, and then made that him cry. Made him and cry. then was in with Floyd, and then put it on Floyd. Basically, you know, to the point where Floyd asked him to leave, and he wouldn't leave. He, Spence stayed in there, you know. And I've seen subsequent follow-up interviews where Floyd agreed that you know Spence really pushed him and made him have to really show his true self. So does that was that sort of the the hey you know the the seed planted in Floyd's mind that when this guy finally rises, let me put my arm around him and play promoter role enough to fight him or am I just if you're really digging here if you're you know for the Floyd conspiracy theory because Kenny Porter's also saying hey take a look Floyd doesn't fight African-American guys in their prime and I don't you know I don't really Floyd doesn't fight anybody in their prime almost that's, that's mean, another you know. good point but I don't know it was just sort of interesting that that Floyd suddenly slipped into you know let, let me put my arm around this guy and let me try to say hey he should fight Porter and Thurman when in reality hey maybe Floyd you should be fighting Porter and Thurman maybe not yeah, Spence, you that, know? That's, that, that's, that is true maybe maybe Floyd should be looking at fighting uh uh, Thurman and maybe Porter after that, or not after, but I, I would prefer Thurman to, to Porter in that case. Yeah. But in any case, yeah, Spence, uh, you know, the, the sparring stories, look, I think more highly of Spence that, that I'm more impressed at how what he's done in his real fights, even against, you know, not very good competition, uh, than what he may or may not have done in sparring to to Floyd when Floyd was just out of prison. I mean, he hadn't been, he had, you know, he, we read it and there was a lot came out about that prison. There were FOIAs about, you know, people did Freedom of Information Act requests. Uh, Flat was not bottles they, of water. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, Floyd didn't have that easy of a go and he was in solitary for the whole time because they were worried about his safety. I know. Um, it's all, he didn't, it's all, you know, you like know. you beat up a guy who's been in jail for, for nine, not beat up or give a hard time to a guy who's been in jail for that long. That doesn't really, 
speak right. tell me they that much about you know made his name exactly off of, of i mean like who, floyd off you know like like, like you know robert guerrero had sparred well against floyd one day it served him well in their fight um, it's just worth a topic of conversation maybe floyd should be the one talking about porter and thurman because i think porter you know deserves to be in this mayweather conversation and instead he's saying well no this guy should fight spence who hasn't really fought anybody oh, so, i think i think porter deserves another good fight a, a chance to put himself in that i'd like maybe porter to fight amir Khan. no he beat he, he's in the conversation he, come on I mean, that's because the conversation is always so skewed in boxing. Well, because the converse, the pool of conversation here is Amir Khan or nobody else, unless you ask <laughs> No, it's Floyd not. It's Mayweather. Kareem Mayfield. Hard hit him, baby. Oh! Birdo. Birdo's so, bringing some clams and the sea, the whole seafood cart. He's bringing the whole Caribbean he's seafood. He's got the crabs. He's got he's, the crabs, the clams, the, the cockles. He's got it all. Well, look, here's the thing. You know, the path to get to Floyd used to be to beat Birdo. <laughs> and now it's apparently lose to Thomas Delorme, right? And 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 then you're you know you're writing. I mean, ser- look of all the of all the great. Hey, Mayfield ins- hasn't just lost to, to Thomas Delorme. He's also lost to Emmanuel Taylor. Uh, yeah, who who got beat up by by Berto in, in Algeria? And by the way, <laughs> uh, you know, connect the dots here. Look, of all the great Floyd bait and switch moves, we look back to his 2013, where he's going to fight Robert Guerrero. People were you know people weren't not against it, but they weren't excited because they wanted Manny, they wanted big names. So he says, of course, I'm going to fight Devin Alexander. We all complain. He comes back with Guerrero. This has to be the Devin Alexander bait and switch move 2.0, right? Yo, well, yeah. I, well, the thing is, it's such. I think he realized that everyone figured out the Devin Alexander bait and switch, and so now he's going deeper. He's digging even deeper to somehow make it, you know, seem crazier, so people don't know how to respond to it. But you know who else has put his name into the Floyd Mayweather sweepstakes? Wants that big rematch. No? No. You, your you, boy. You're, you're, not, you're, you're your boy VO. of all boys. You talking about uh, Face Loop? No way, man. Well, he's always in there for the rematch. I'm he, talking remember, about... Did you see that video? He's like, Floyd, you owe me, you owe me bro. I'm talking about me. the golden boy. Oh, Oscar. <laughs> That's right. Fish <laughs> well, scales, remember? Hey, <laughs> I, I found out what that meant. Woo! Hey, um, here's the thing, Rafe. Uh, this is this is big news. This has taken over the boxing world over the last you know, 24 to 48 hours, whether you want Your it to or not. Your boxing world. My boxing world, because I'm a huge Oscar mark. Everybody knows that. My favorite fighter. And I'm a huge, I'm even bigger mark for hashtag old guy fights. You know what I mean? A week ago, we talked about this. And now look what fell into our lap. Oscar comes out. He says he's serious 50 50 that he's going to make a comeback and true to his nature he wants to fight the best that means mayweather that means triple g that even means canelo who he didn't rule out rafe oscar's 42 all right i know he's always wanted to face the best is is this realistic should we take him seriously should we want this to happen because rafe i you know after whatever you say next i'm going to come back and tell you that i want this to happen because uh, i'm sick like that but come on you're you you have a more level head on this type of topic yeah well What's well, if, well if floyd is pulling the devin alexander bait and switch with kareem mayfield and andre Berto, you know oscar de la hoya rematch sounds pretty good then um you know i'd watch that i'm, I'm curious he'll see what 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 oscar can pull off in in maybe three rounds before he keels over um <laughs> but uh you know i so i of those fights yeah you know, i i have no interest in seeing oscar um 
even come near Gennady Golovkin. Um, I don't even want the Oscar who was 34 and fought <laughs> yeah. Floyd in 2007. That guy's getting KO'd in three rounds against Gennady Golovkin, um, right? And, uh, you know, but at the same time, Oscar, sure, he's fun. I, he, he, he has, he, I can't think, aside from Pacquiao, I can't remember him taking a really, really scary beating in a fight. Uh, he's been in hard fights, uh, but he's, he's, he, he's in great shape now. And, and I understand if he wants to, uh, sort of see what he's still got now that he's gotten over the substance abuse problems and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe he, he can get down low enough to fight, uh, Danny Garcia and we could finally see who's cherry picking who. <laughs> Well, here's what's interesting. He said he's been running eight miles a day for two years. He's going to say he's going to start sparring next including week. Including when he was in rehab? Yeah, including, apparently. And he said he's going to start <laughs> talking to his family next week and start sparring next week. And obviously those two things will give us a true answer of whether mm-hmm. this is really going to happen. But I do kind of support this in a weird way, and it goes deeper than me being an Oscar super fan and even deeper than me loving old guy fights and wanting to get excited about something like this. Look, I support Oscar coming back in some form if he really wants to because he has... You know, he's had that rough story of, of sort of, uh, punching away what could have been with the, with the substance abuse, with the drinking and alcohol. You know, he's been very open in saying, you know, the second half of his career when he was more known for losing these big fights than, than necessarily winning them. I mean, he had that stretch where he lost anytime he really stepped up to the highest level, even though he consistently did step up to the highest level. He was also, you know, doing drugs and, and not putting into, and drinking and not putting forth the, the true training camps back then where it left a lot of what, what might have been. So if right now, this many years removed, seven years removed from fighting, he says he's healed from all those nagging injuries that, that come to a fighter in his 30s. If he wants to do this as part of making peace with his past, he said he's free for the first time mentally and spiritually. He has peace for the first time overcoming this addiction. If he feels like there's unfinished business where he wants to go back and sort of fix what was broken because it was broken because of his, you know, his willingness to sort of enter down the wrong path, if he needs to do that, I support that. I don't necessarily, you know, think that's a bad thing, although I don't necessarily want him to go in there against Triple G. It would be huge for the sport, all of that, for, for, for us to get excited about this. But number two, I also think this comeback talk has just as much to do with business as mm-hmm. it does with him scratching a niche. Because let's not forget, Oscar lost like three-fourths of the fighters in his stable when him and Heyman had the That's falling right. out when the, when PBC started. And Oscar's got the lawsuit against Al, but he doesn't have a lot of big names right now. And his, his motto seems to be, I want to make the biggest fights possible. What else could he do to help his own, you know, bi- his own promotional company and business portfolio than put himself back into a major fight? Or just to get paid. I mean, you know, he's, I mean, granted, I'm sure he makes decent money off of Canelo and, and Lemieux is obviously due for some paydays after, after winning a belt this past weekend. And he's got Matisse and a handful of other fighters. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he he wouldn't mind getting a little cash infusion off of, you know, off of a big fight if he can land one. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot with some real quick lightning round questions about this Oscar comeback. All right. Yeah. Number one, would an in-shape Oscar at 42 have any remote chance against an, a top-shelf elite fighter right now? No. Okay, number two, how much would an Oscar Triple G, which Dan Rayfield's tweeting out that they should call it good boy versus golden boy, how much would that sell? I want an exact number of pay-per-view buys, and would the mainstream sports world care? It would sell $1.4 and the mainstream sports world would definitely care a lot. Which kind of makes me kind of want it to happen just because it's sort of a carnival Kimbo the Shamrock. The good boy versus you know? the fishnet boy. I mean, we joked about Kimbo. Yeah, the fishnet oh, kid. I got two words for you, Oscar. Fish scales. Hit me up on the D. Was that, <laughs> that's a two-guy angel. Um, look, 
if, if you know Kimbo Shamrock just got giant ratings, we know that these carnival fights do work to pull people back in. But my final question on this: If Oscar really does need to come back for a major fight and scratch this itch, who do you think of beyond the names that we mentioned? And look, he threw out Canelo, and that's just a bad idea because they're sort of you know big bro, little bro themselves. That's a bad idea to fight that guy. Who do you think would be a more realistic choice? I mean, should it be like Margachito, Chavez Jr., Ruslan at 154, Cotto? Is there someone that would be a better fit for Oscar if he really needed to do this in a big fight? Well, we'll talk about this later, but our boy Timothy Bradley is calling every fighter in boxing. I'm sure Bradley will be ready. Um, but no, I mean, uh, you know, old guy fights sound good. I mean, maybe, a, you know, a Trinidad rematch if Trinidad can get in oh, shape. Uh, Hopkins rematch. Hopkins might be too good right now. Um, it's too heavy, too. Oscar's trying to do this at 54 yeah, against Bluff. You know, um, you know, I, I read that, but I saw him standing next to David Lemieux, and Oscar's head is like three times the size of Lemieux's head. How is he going <laughs> to get down to 54? I wish I had the sound right now. Did you see that video they put out yeah, from the I, press Yeah, he called him the, the best-looking guy in boxing. And then and then David goes, after you. Oh, that was so cheesily awesome. <laughs> well, look, let's, 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 go ahead. I know no, you want to keep saying, talking. He, I wanna, I'm trying Oscar to move on to Lemieux, boat. but you go ahead and talk about your boy, Oscar. The final point on Oscar, he missed. It, it, it's not going to work out politically, but really the big fight that would, that would really kind of matter for the sport is if he fought Chavez. As junior right now, right? There's there's history with 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 Oscar, you know, kind of in in some small how, how ways. How can he fight Chavez Junior? What what if you're talking about 154? Where is he going to fight Chavez? Well, Jr.? they'd have to meet at some like 164 catchweight. You know, I don't that. know. But Andy Fanfara, that might be a nice match. That would be a super fight where people would care, and you don't actually know who would win. You know, and with the with the with the lineage, what Chavez Junior would win. Are you crazy? I don't know if Oski's back in real shape. I mean, did you see that Instagram photo of Oscar? Real shape for a forty-two-year-old old man. Yeah, he's ripped. I mean, but that he's probably training with Memo right now. I mean, he, right, look, he's going to have to. He Oscar... might have to pass blood tests for to fight. Come on, my Oscar fandom is blinding me to a certain point right now. You know, I don't know, Maury Brovich. All I know is I'm not the father. Let's move on, all right? All right. Well, you know, we're talking about Oscar's fighter, David Lemieux, who was figured in probably, not even probably, definitely the best fight of the weekend. He beat Hassan Endam uh, to win a middleweight belt. It was fun. Endam is just insane. He, he did it again where he, he gets knocked down. And this time, these knockdowns were brutal. I mean, he was Dude, falling down like he was out cold and then back up one? three seconds later and fighting. I mean, Dude, it was he got a, pancaked in full it up and that first yeah. one his head hit off the ropes it's and crazy. then he just he like leaped right back up like, i love just, this guy he, i they gotta i want to see both of them back again and again and again like uh, i lemieux was awesome in the way he he just hunted just you know chased him down and was throwing he putting so much behind every punch for 12 rounds and every and and end um, was like a human jack-in-the-box i mean i couldn't believe it it was it was definitely the fight of the weekend. I think it's one of the candidates for fight of the year. It, you know, it was almost a shame that it took almost third billing with Andre Ward's comeback with with the Broner Porter fight. But uh, if you didn't get a chance to see it, this one lived up to expectations and then some. It was yeah, and uh, luckily we uh, were able to talk to David Lemieux right now about it. So uh, we're gonna get on the phone with him and uh, be right back in a second. And we are pleased to welcome into the ropes middleweight titleist, Montreal native, and keeper of the crown for best hair in boxing. We're talking about David Lemieux, who won his first world title on Saturday in his home city of Montreal via unanimous decision over Hassan Endam. David, thanks for joining us, man. Congratulations on taking home your first world title. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I got what I wanted, so it was a very uh, good day. Thanks, David. Uh, you know, I, before we talk about the fight and get into all that, I, I kind of want to start on a fun note. Um, 
And and you know that your your hair is really becoming a thing in boxing. I mean, fans <laughs> see it online and talk about it, and and it's it's sort of you know uh, aside from you know your your power punching, it might be the first thing people associate with you down here in the states. Um, you know, what's the origin story? When did you start styling it like that? What's the <laughs> upkeep like? How much? What kind of product do you need in there? I mean, tell get, tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it, it started a while back. Uh, yeah, I've been getting a lot of feedback on my on my hair and everything. People want to know like uh, uh, where do I go, where I cut my hair, how what I use in it, and everything. <laughs> so I started very simply a few years back. Uh, I wanted to change the style of my hair, and I wanted to do something a bit original. You know, um, I wanted to do something uh, very different, but. Uh, you know, there's only so many styles you can do with with the hair and everything. So, uh, so I said, okay, uh, you know, I want to keep keep the top top a bit longer. So I kept it longer, and then I said, yeah, so let's uh, let's trim the sides, and uh, so then I I cut the sides a bit, and then I decided to shave the sides to the skin. So, and uh, so that, that's what how uh, how I kind of managed to keep it for a while. Then it gets got a bit shorter. I changed, I changed it in the fight against Rosado. I got I went shorter on the top, mm-hmm. but now I'm uh, I'm I'm keeping it long again. And I use some some wax, <laughs> yeah, on on the on the top because uh, when I train, uh, if, if I don't put, if I put something else, it will uh, uh, leak in my eyes, and uh, you know it will uh, will because uh, I sweat a lot during training, so. So uh, I wanted something resistant, and wax is uh, is the most resistant. Uh, that's what I use. That's well, right. That's you don't 80s. want a uh, situation like uh, uh, Pauli Malinaji had back in the day, where he had to have his corner, you know, cutting his hair extensions in the middle of a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want uh, that, and I, I don't, and I have it long enough to keep it at that. Plus, I don't put, I wouldn't put extensions in my hair uh, <laughs> on top of it, but. But, uh, no, no, it's good. I maintain it well. Yeah, come on, Rafe. We don't need extensions. That's some 80s action movies type hairstyle right there. And if you're going to have a hair like that, you're going to have to back it up by knocking dudes down. And, David, that's what you did on Saturday. We're going to have to start off by talking about Hassan Endam because as much as you brought the power with every single punch, this guy got up four times and he seemed to almost get re-energized. How surprised were you each time you're hitting him with your best punch and he's keep coming back to make this a fight? You know, it was very impressive. I have a lot of respect for Hassan Adam, and I uh, gave him his props after the fight. You know, uh, I was very, uh, very impressed with him for uh, when I did hit him. I felt my knuckles go in his face, and, you know, I could feel some bones. I could feel his bones uh, with my knuckles. And if it was, let me tell you, he has uh, he has one hell of a body structure, because if it was anybody else, uh, they would be leaking all over the floor. He's a very solid guy, and he kept getting back up, and he kept getting back up, and he was pretty solid getting back up. So it was very impressive. But but my main goal was uh, was to be dominant each round and to win each round, and that's what I was doing. You know, uh, he kept getting back up, but I kept putting pressure and I kept punching him, and I kept uh, hurting him with each punch. So so that was my plan, and I, I just I told him it was going to be a nightmare for him, and you know. I did what I said. Absolutely, David. Uh, as a power puncher, can that be 
a little dispiriting or how do you keep yourself from from you know feeling almost disappointed when you you know like you say you hit a guy with a great shot he goes down and then pops up like that and keeps doing it how how do you keep your 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 game plan the same and not sort of let that affect you well you know if you guys saw the fight you know it would speak for itself you know i didn't let it disappoint me you got to be mentally prepared because you know there's a lot of great fighters out there who 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 can who withstand the extreme amount of uh, punishment? You know, you got people like Jake Lamara and all these guys. You know, out there who are who are extremely resistant and uh, who take a lot of punishment to like, and they just keep coming forward. You know, it's, it's part of the game, and you gotta keep focused. I'm a hard puncher, and I know when I punch, it's gonna hurt. And if it's gonna keep taking, I'm gonna be ready to give it to him for 12 rounds. Uh, I prepared for the fight for 12 rounds, and uh, I was re- I had uh, as much juice in the first round as I did in the 12th round. And so everybody's going to see with me in the future uh, getting better and better. Of course, um, my tactics have changed over the years. You know, I have matured. I have matured a lot with each fight, and uh, with every fight, I'm maturing a lot also. Uh, so, you know, I can't take it as a surprise. I just have to adapt with it. If they don't fall, I just got to be uh, persistent and keep just keep doing what I do. Well, David, in this victory, you know, you, you turn back any critics who are going to question if you can go 12 rounds in a big fight with somebody, and you've really made it on this, uh, you know, on this run, this nine-fight winning streak of really canceling off all the critics who who really kind of, re- you know, wrote you off after those two losses in 2011. So when you look back, how much did that stretch of time motivate you to make this comeback? I mean, you're still very young, but there was a point where you were hot prospect to then almost forgotten guy. What was that period like to motivate you to come back? Uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of bumps in the road, you know, everything happens for a reason. I'm happy those, those fights happened for, uh, the way they did. Um, you know, um, Rubio was a very tough fighter, you know, he did what he has to do. Um, uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm, to me, those fights right now, they're, uh, they're way back in, uh, they're way back in my mind. I don't even think about it because, uh, I'm nowhere near the the guy I was back back in the days, but it's experiences that you learn from, and 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 it's very important important for uh, for a boxer because uh, it does break you or it makes you better, and uh, you know a real champion will take it, and 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 that kind of fight he'll he'll be structured himself, and he'll he'll either get better or it will break him, and uh, it made me better and. You know, there was a lot of things I had to change. It was a lot of major decisions I had to take, a lot of behind the scenes and everything. You know, yeah, everybody has their own has their own journey, and I understand what I see with my own eyes. So, you know, there was a lot of things I had to change, and I did the changes. And now the numbers speak for themselves. You know, um, you guys see it in each fight. You know, I get better and better. You know, I fight the hard guy like Hassan and Dam. I completely dominate him. I beat him. Inside of a boxing, and like I outboxed him even, and I and I was and I'm a power puncher, so so you know I did everything I had to do. You know, people people always gonna talk, but uh, the numbers they speak for themselves. There's no lying of the truth. Absolutely, David. Now 
Um, I don't know if you were able to see this other fight from last weekend yet. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you guys probably, I think everyone agrees, had the fight of the night. But uh, Adrian Broner also sort of lost his the second fight of his career over the weekend. And he uh, uh, he's sort of going through a similar thing that, that you went through where some people are starting to write him off and say he, he'll never reach his potential. Other people are saying, he, you know, this is how you should, should help him rebuild. Uh, what would be your advice having sort of successfully come back from a couple losses? Uh, what would be your advice to, to a fighter like Adrian Broner who's going through that right now? Well, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say because I'm not in the footsteps of Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner, I've seen him the way he conducts himself outside of the ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a professional, uh, you know, as a you know a champion, you, you you shouldn't you shouldn't be conducting yourself in in that manner. You know, it's uh, uh, this is a serious block. This is a serious uh, sport. You know, it's very it's a, it's life or death in the ring. And to be conducting yourself as a clown outside of the ring, you know, people don't take uh, people don't take that seriously. You know, you gotta you gotta be professional inside and outside of the ring. There's for sure there's some stuff to change, but you know, that's in his hands. I'm not in his shoes to be. Uh, to be directing how he how how he does things, but but to all their own uh, their own karma, their own kind of uh, kind of ways to to choose. And uh, our, it's not it's not my my style that to conduct myself the way he does inside or outside during his character. It's not uh, I don't approve too much of it. Absolutely, I totally understand here. David, when we do talk about your style in the ring as a fighter, though, you know, I talked to you the week of this, the week before this fight. We both kind of settled on. I kind of think, look at your style as seek and destroy. Fans love it. I got to ask, what is it either about your personality or maybe your upbringing that sort of fueled this exciting style in the ring? Which is, it's not necessarily all or nothing, but I mean, you're going for it right from the opening bell. Well, it's part of my character. You know, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very straight. Straight to the point, kind of guy. Um, it kind of resembles the way I'm in the ring. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm not there to laugh. I'm not there to party. I'm not there to have fun. Uh, I am having fun with what I'm doing, but what I mean is that it's, it's all business, and it's uh, um, uh, like I say, it's seek and destroy. It's uh, if I say I'm gonna knock you out, I'm gonna knock you out, and I'm gonna do it from the first round till the twelfth round, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna. I'm going in there. I want to give the best show. I want to give some some memorable memories to the to the people who are watching me, to the to the fans. You know, I, I always want to appear my the best I can possibly appear. I always want to be in the best shape. I want to always be in the best appearance. You know, not not only as a boxer but also as a human being and also as a as a champion. You know, it's important to to show to show the young the young the young eyes them you know this is this is a character of a champion and this is you know this is a, this is a way of of life it's not just a way of enduring you know it's, it's, it's a struggle out there it's, it's it's not an easy world that we're living in you know you have to be a serious guy you have to be you have to enjoy life and you have to have have fun doing it but it's it's not a game you have to be serious and you have to be uh, uh strong on point Right. Now, David, I wanted to ask a little about, um, you know, Montreal, your, your town. 
it's become over the pe- in recent years one sort of a, a a huge hotbed for for combat sports boxing mixed martial arts all that i mean multiple you know boxing titleists in the, in in the uh, training in the city up and coming fighters like Arthur Betterbeev who who came from russia and is fight is training there now i mean it's becomes and, and huge fight crowds for for events like yours and and other champions there like Adonis Stevenson's and others uh what what's the fight at atmosphere they're like and why do you think it, it both has such uh enthusiasm for for these sports and uh and also you know such a fertile ground for talent good question uh Montreal has been a very uh uh a city that builds a lot of champions and a, a city is filled with uh filled with actions you know um I don't know if it's the way we train, if it's the, the team we have around us, but something is working and something is going right. Um, I don't know if it's the food or the air, you know, but uh, I have a great team around me who I train with, and they're uh, they're uh, they're people I admire. They're, they're great. They're great. Uh, they're great champions uh, in 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 everyday in everyday life training. You know, there's. Um, a lot of great, uh, great athletes here that uh, that that do help also the champions. So, so it's 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 it's, it's a package type of deal, you know. Uh, we have a lot of great fighters. I can't tell you like what triggered it or what's happening, but uh, we, we do work very hard, and hard work does pay off. So, so um, you know, me, my team, uh, the people I see around me all the time. When I'm in the gym, I always push my 100%. And the people around me, they're always pushing their 100% too. So it's pushing me, and we're pushing each other, and, and we're achieving uh, great goals. So I'm on the top now, and there's a lot of them that are going to be on top soon too. Tell them, David. So, French can French Canadians like you and me, we're just passionate people. We got great hair. We, uh, you know, we're not afraid to put mayonnaise on, on French fries. You know, that's, that's how we live our lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. We're, Seriously, we're here though. Big risk, we're big risk takers, and uh, <laughs> we don't cheat. Uh, we work hard, and uh, you know, uh, if we're gonna get the desserts after, we're gonna eat it. We're gonna Absolutely. we're gonna have fun uh, <laughs> with the hard work and everything. That's how yeah. I see things. As we look forward, you know, the big victory for you that puts you in a position for big fights. Everybody's linking your name now with Gennady Golovkin, another middleweight titleist with a very exciting style. After your win on Saturday, Triple G tweets out, Golovkin Lemieux, let's make it now. Not in the future or down the road, but now. But there's a little bit of a dispute after that. You know, your promoter Oscar De La Hoya is talking about potentially a mandatory fight. Triple G's promoter was saying the IBF would al- allow an immediate unification fight. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to go toward a Triple G fight? Do you want to get a couple other fights first? What, what do you want to do next? You know what? Uh, to tell you the truth, there's no plan yet. But I, I already said that the fighting Triple G is in my plans. And it's, it's not something I'm going to avoid. It's somebody I'm going to fight down the line, and it's 100% for sure. But it's not going to be somebody I'm going to fight under his time and his jurisdiction. It's going to be somebody I fight under my time and my, under my jurisdiction. You know, it's uh, I don't need Triple G, and but I'm going to give the fans what they want to see, and I'm very happy to want to fight Triple G. I'm not scared of him, or I'm not ducking him, or whatever. But for sure, there is there is patterns to to to. To walk before uh, before we we do face uh, a fight like uh, Triple G, 
and I just became IBF champion of the world for sure. With my team, we're gonna sit down and discuss what's the plan. You know, right now I'm I'm, I'm gonna take a bit of time off and get some vacation. But I already said it, I'm going to fight Triple G, and it's uh, it's it's for sure. But it's not maybe next fight. It's maybe not the I don't know when. But it's going to happen uh, sooner or later. But uh, right now the plan maybe if it's next fight for sure. If everything is uh, negotiated properly, yes, for sure I would love to fight. I'm not. I'm not worried about it, but uh, things have to be, you know, negotiated well and everything, and it has to be planned out because, you know, it's, uh, somebody can, doesn't just go out there and say, hey, I want to fight this guy, and things just happen like that, you know. It's a, it's a sport, and it's a very uh, very serious sport with, uh, you know, big talk and big business behind it and everything. For sure there is uh, investment put behind it, so, you know, you know, if if all deals are right, I'm ready, and uh, he's ready. So, you know, things will happen, but uh, for sure, things have to be uh, be put in place before it does. Uh, he he goes on Twitter and tweets, uh, "I want to fight David Lemieux." He just be let's make it happen. Let's make it happen tomorrow. Hey, I can say that to any fighter any day, but he knows this this kind of talk is not logical. Let's be logical. I said I will fight him, but. Uh, it has to be uh, in uh, in proper time, in proper uh, money investment and stuff like that. But uh, uh, it will happen. Absolutely. So, you know, Golovkin has has really taken a lot of the boxing world by storm. He has this great uh, sort of exciting uh, knockout streak going. But at the same time, a lot of people have started to question now the the quality of the opponents he's been able to to face during that knockout streak, which isn't necessarily his fault. I'm sure you you know as well as as any other fighter how uh, a, especially a big puncher can can be avoided for for big fights. Um, but do, do you feel like his, his uh, his opposition has been maybe a little bit weak, and that made him look more invincible than than some people say he is or think he might be? Well, either it's weak or not, Golovkin is a good fighter. There's no question about it. He's a very good fighter, and he's, uh, he deserves to be where he is. But people have to relax and to get off his back because there's a lot of great middleweights out there that are are very good also. Then it's not just uh, Golovkin. You know, there's, uh, the middleweight has always been an exciting category with uh, a lot of great fighters. You know, we have Andy Lee with Quinlan. We have... Uh, a lot of great champions, Koto uh, and all these guys, you know. So, uh, and now we have me, you know. It's, uh, and uh, it's, it's it's an exciting it's an exciting category. He is a very good fighter. He deserves maybe he hasn't fought uh, uh, the best the best guys there uh, in the division yet, but his time will come and he will fight. And he will get uh, what he what he wants, you know, uh, get the, the best opposition. And uh, when I will fight him, it's going to be uh, the biggest fight of his career, no doubt about it. And uh, it will happen, you know. It, the fans will get what they want, but uh, uh, you know, everything will happen in in due time. You know, we can't just go out there and start screaming out names like a little kid <laughs> and uh, expect to get results, you know. Uh, things have to be logical and they have to be uh, uh, properly uh, established. 
Well, let's talk about logical fights here involving Triple G. You might not be the only one in Golden Boy Promotions under that banner who wants a fight with him. Your own promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, is talking about a potential comeback. Would you, you know, he's talking about wanting to fight Triple G himself. Oscar's 42, been out for a while. Is this a good idea in your eyes? I love De La Hoya. He's a, he's a crazy guy. He's, uh, he's full of energy. He's full of, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great champion. He's, the guy's a legend. But, uh, uh, let me do the fighting, uh, De La Hoya, right now. Let me, let me beat him. It's my time and it's, and it's me that's gonna be the machine to beat this guy. So, uh, just relax a bit and uh, let me do the fighting. De La Hoya is a great man. He's, he has, uh, he's a family man. He's, he's gotta, he's gotta let the younger guys do the fighting now and this is my time. So, uh, with proper negotiations, I'll do the fighting. De La Hoya will do the enjoying. <laughs> yeah, that's right, uh, David. As a you know, as now one of the middleweight titleists in the division, uh, you know, there's there's been this ongoing situation with Miguel Cotto once he won the the lineal middleweight championship from Sergio Martinez last year. That he is fighting fairly infrequently. He's asking fighters to meet him at catch weights uh, and and saying that he'll continue to do that in for future title defenses uh as a as a middleweight who who I'm sure wants to be known as the the top man in that division uh when you get the the opportunities does it feel as if Miguel Cotto is is hijacking that title and 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 sort of holding it hostage from the the true middleweights well it's obvious you know like you said it's obvious the he did send up, um, send me uh, an offer, like uh, not real an offer. Uh, he did say, "Yeah, we'll fight if you go down to like 168 or something like that." But you know, I'm a middleweight. Why would I want to go to 158? You know, this is the uh, if you, if you have a title of a middleweight, you're gonna fight at 160, or else just give up the title and go fight at 154. Um, you know, he is a bit hijacking, uh, the title. Yes, he is picking fights and he is, uh, you know, but I do understand him. Well, I, I don't understand, but I do understand his plan. You know, he wants to be, uh, he wants to be a middleweight, but yet to, to fight secure fights that he is, uh, comfortable with. You know, but, uh, you know, you want to do that, then just go, uh, light, light middleweight and fight, uh, guys that, uh, like Canelo is mostly four and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, if you want to have the title of a uh, middleweight, well, you got to fight at 160. I couldn't agree more, and I, re- I respect your take on that. Look, David, we want to get you out here on a light note. You're one of the rare prominent, rare prominent fighters right now without a nickname. I mean, without a catchy sort of Triple G-esque sort of nickname hanging with you. I'm sure you might remember the infamous pro wrestling star from Quebec back in the day, Dino Bravo. He went around calling himself Canada's strongest man. He had bleach blonde hair. Any chance for your next fight, you come back with both that nickname and maybe even the bleach blonde hair for your next fight. <laughs> well, I don't think it would be bleach blonde hair. I think it would be more like shaved side type of uh, fighter <laughs> uh, nickname. But uh, you know, I don't. I'm not big on nicknames, you know, and, and stuff like that. But uh, the people they can call me what they want. Uh, they, they've done some debates on on on, uh, on social medias on what do they want to nickname me. You know, my my nickname is my name is David Lemieux. 
And Monday, maybe they'll uh, use uh, David Lemieux for somebody else's nickname. <laughs> but uh, I'm not big on nicknames. I keep it very simple, you know. People want to call point. me what they want to call me, but, but you know, uh, I'm not I'm not too uh, too uh, too crazy about nicknames. <laughs> You're the kind of guy that comes to a party to do two things: drink some beer and kick some ass, right? And looks like we're just all about out about a beer right now, you know. Straight to the point, my man. That's what we like I'm, to see. I'm the type of guy who's going to go in the party, forget the beer, get the girl, and leave that party. And that's all there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Montreal is one of the great cities in the world for that as well, I think. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, David, we really appreciate you taking the time. It's it's been uh, fun watching you know this recent rise in your career back into prominence. You won your first world title on Saturday, so congratulations again from us, and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you very much, guys. Take care. Good luck. Thank you, David. Brian, remind me not to invite David Lemieux to any parties at my girlfriend's house. Uh, I will not bring him to any parties at your house with your wife. Uh, and I will not ever offer him beer if I happen to see him because I know what he's coming for. Yeah, he's not there for the beer. Let, let's make that point. I mean, this guy's quick to the point, to the point, no faking. Uh, I mean, that was really gotta... cool. I mean, I, I, I kind of I enjoyed that because Lemieux is this guy who was on the up and we're sort of people got excited about him. And then he lost those two fights. And then we all just sort of wrote him off like, ah, this guy's not any good. Now. Now he's back and we're, we're, we're sort of getting a second chance to get to know him. I haven't seen a lot of interviews with him, so it was cool to sort of hear from him. And, and he's pretty 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 straight talker. Straight talker, just like he is in the ring, which brings us to this potential fight. I mean, Golovkin, Lemieux, fireworks, two guys that just bring it. Rafe, if, you know, if we do end up seeing this fight, it may have to be early next year, you know, if it builds toward that. What does this fight look like? Dude, I'm one of the, I consider myself one of America's first, you know, GGG I'm sorry, Triple G. I know you don't like GGG. Yeah, that's so Lampley. I don't One know of these that. first, <laughs> I can't, don't, now I'll never do it again. Uh, <laughs> you know, I consider myself one of the first hardcore Triple G fanboys. Maybe not hardcore because I hadn't been searching him out on YouTube to be like, you know, Triple G, I watched him against Kasim Uma and, and, uh, and, uh, in that, Romania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I believe that was in Panama, excuse me. Um, but in any case, no, so I, I mean, but the first time I saw him fight was, was against, uh, Jagor's Fruxa live in uh, in upstate New York for his HBO debut, and since then I was just all in on this guy. I've, I have loved this dude for the past few years, but at the same time, like I, I think people are. Uh, I, I've listened and read a bit about what people think about this fight, and I, if it happens between GGG and David Lemieux, and I think people are quick to write off David Lemieux as as not giving. Uh, Triple G any challenge. I I mean Triple G will be the favorite, but at the same time. You know, we've seen him get hit. I I don't think that he would not take a punch in an entire fight, however long it lasted, with David Lemieux. And and I think that David Lemieux could possibly hurt him. I I mean, I look if he came out as a fifteen to one uh, favorite, I'm I wouldn't I would go out there and put money on, a little bit of money on Lemieux just on the off chance that he lands something. Doesn't mean yeah. I think he would be the he he deserves to be the favorite, but he oh he's got a shot. Golovkin has an impeccable chin so far through like, you know, 350 against who? total Against fights. who? Against who? <laughs> ah, there it is. Teddy. 
You put the lime in the coconut. Here's yeah. the thing, though. If there's one guy that you really want to see it tested against, the reason why Lemieux is such a great puncher, because I mean, he's like Golovkin, he's incredible at cutting off the ring, but he puts every ounce of energy into each punch. I've there's never so much, seen someone miss punches so hard so I mean, often. Like, so it's much, crazy. He, he loads up with so much torque and, and, and motion and energy on every single one. There's like a grunt on his face when yeah. he does it. You know, there's guys like Golovkin's the type of guy who can knock you out almost by accident, yeah. you know what I mean? Whether on a hard jab even or on a on right. a sort of half-hearted well, we've hook. seen he, he, the, he, he got the TKO against uh, Osumana Adamu on a jab at the exactly. end. Exactly. You know, we saw him uh, with the body shot. He can take people out of there. Lemieux a guy that doesn't even bother with those type of punches. He can right. box a little bit, but he, he doesn't steal from who he is. He goes all in on what are his strengths. So, you know, Golovkin's going to have the overall advantage as, as a better pure fighter. He's going to be favored to win. You know, he probably would win, but you're right. Lemieux the type of guy who's going to make him fight more than anyone we have ever seen and that's why it's really interesting if they did it in Montreal you know it'd be a major big deal a chance for Golovkin to extend his brand to another level but before we wrap this up Rafe is Oscar who's constantly saying I want big fights I want big fights now going in the wrong direction when suddenly he's saying wait let's let Lemieux get a mandatory maybe we'll get another mandatory or you know another fight early in the spring and then we'll do the Golovkin is Oscar sort of changing his way suddenly well, I don't blame Oscar for that. I mean, I you know, it's, it's boxing. It's you you say so, you say something as long as it uh, as long as it benefits you. It's the classic Bob Arum line, right? I mean, yesterday I was lying, today I'm telling the truth. Uh it's it's that's that's just part of the that's I feel like that's fair game. And, and if they if they do want to get Lemieux a couple defenses against, you know, decent opponents, I wouldn't mind seeing Lemieux, Lemieux try and fight uh, uh take get a challenge from someone like uh Willie Monroe. Uh I, I know we just saw him against a boxer, but uh Monroe's a different kind of fighter, I think, a different kind of mover from uh Endom and, and, and a guy who uh you know would give you a recent uh comparison point to, to Triple G. Uh there are guys out there at middleweight that I think would make interesting fights with Lemieux and if and if he wins a fight or two that only makes him look like a better opponent for GGG or Triple G I'm sorry no more Lampleyisms um, you know it makes him look like a better opponent for Triple G makes it look like a bigger fight it gets to marinate a little bit and you know we love to marinate fights um, I but, can't but, wait till Lopez Gamboa is ready I can't <laughs> but, wait for yeah, that there's an old man fight for that, 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 that maybe Oscar could fight Lopez and Gamboa at the same still time still on Bob Stowe um, still cooking look man um and then, you know, if Lemieux gets these fights, maybe he, maybe at least then if Triple G beats him, people won't say, oh, well, he beat another bum, you know? I mean, no, then, exactly. then at, least, at least Triple G gets credit for a win then. And we just talked about Oscar's stable is small. He's talking about getting back in the ring himself. He obviously wants to try to give Lemieux a couple paydays. He might be Lemieux's more. mandatory. Uh, yeah, we're getting to that. See, that's the that's one question we didn't get to ask Lemieux is what, what, what if Oscar wants to fight you next? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, a fight that is happening this Saturday as we transition, Rafe. Timothy Bradley Jr., the former two-division titleist, will be facing unbeaten Jesse Vargas. This is for a vacant, I'm sorry, an interim welterweight title. This is the belt that Floyd Mayweather Jr. holds, that he, that he won from Manny Pacquiao. It's expected that Mayweather's going to give the belt up, but he says he hasn't even received the belt in the mill yet, so he's not going to make that decision until he does. We're talking about an interim title. Winner would essentially be Floyd's mandatory. This fight is taking place at the StubHub Center in Carson, California, on HBO. I think the, the only storyline that sort of emerged, I mean, we 
we had Tim Bradley on our podcast. He was fantastic. He talked. He's willing to fight anybody. But a recent storyline that has emerged is we know that Jesse Vargas dropped his trainer, Roy Jones Jr., who was a, a new trainer to his stable, and replaced him in the middle of camp with Eric Morales. Now, Morales, uh, one of my favorites ever, is running his mouth. They're saying this is a crossroads fight. They're essentially saying Bradley's the old guy, that he's washed up. Bradley did not take too kindly to this, Rafe, and he is fired up. Top Rank posted a video with some sound from Tim about what he thinks about the Vargas Morales trio, and let's hear this thing. I said, I said, Jesse Vargas, I'm going to whoop his ass on Saturday, and if Morales got a problem and he wants some, he can get some at the end of the year, too, because I got two fights this year. This is my first fight. I'm going to beat his boy, then I'm going to come back, and I'll beat his behind. He can come out of retirement, whatever weight. He can fight a catch weight, whatever. It don't really matter, 54 or whatever. You want to <laughs> fight at 200, we can fight there, and I'm going to whoop your ass next. So if you want to talk, you can say whatever you want to say. Trainers normally stay neutral, and they get, you know, be, be you know, like my boy's gonna win, you know, he's a good fighter or whatever. But when you start talking shit and you start talking garbage and nonsense, you know what I'm saying? Then that's what that's what get on my skin. Yeah, I'm fired up. I'm fired up for this. Thank you for keep firing firing me up, because guess what? That that Saturday night is gonna be a good night. It's gonna be a good night for Team Bradley. That's what it's gonna be. And I'm gonna I'm gonna walk out that arena with, with another belt strapped around me. So hey, pump me up. Keep me pumped up. I'm fired up. Yep, I'm fired up. Rafe, yo pump. Up the jam because this guy's fired up. By the way, Morales, who's got a huge gut right now. If you have, if you haven't seen, oh. you want to talk about Morales getting back in the ring? He's not anywhere close. He responded to this video by instantly saying, <laughs> "Quote: I would fight Bradley any day of the week." End quote, which is awesome. I talked to Tim on the phone today. He says, "I'm serious about that. If this guy needs four months to get to take off some weight, I'm ready to fight him. Whatever it takes." What do you take of this? This is like the new, the only storyline we've really had for this fight. I mean, you know, honestly, the one thing I was thinking of when I went with Bradley calling out uh, Jesse Vargas's trainer like that, I was just wishing, man, it would be even funnier if he were calling out Roy Jones right now because Roy is active. The reason <laughs> he's not training Jesse Vargas is because he has to train for the two fights he's planning to have in August of this month. <laughs> and I mean, you want to talk about great. Uh, old man fights. I think that is your Oscar opponent. Uh, Oscar Roy fight would be something. I know the weights don't match up, but Dude, Roy's like ooh, cruiserweight. Right I don't now, care so. right now. You almost have forgot. I, I, I mean, that would be great. Uh, By the way, remember when Roy was in an old guy fight in two thousand eight against Trinidad? Roy's still active. Okay, <laughs> you know, Roy's still I, active. He, oh, he is the he is a king in Latvia right now. <laughs> they still remember his epic nights, legendary <laughs> Latvian nights. Is a theme. Is a, is a, is a show out there. Um, I love that he had that song, Mister Unknockable. Oh, Oh until, he, until he got knocked out. Oh you, can't, can't play, you cannot sing that song anymore, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, Jean Pascal is singing it right now. Oh, I love um, it. Look, um, yeah, you know, it's Bradley is is like somehow the chip on his shoulder grows every fight with every fight, no matter what he does, and that's sort of impressive about him. I mean, you see how driven he is. Um, but uh, yeah, he's. I mean, he just sounds like a lunatic these days. I mean, he's calling everyone out. He's like, if you cross, if you look at him cross-eyed. He's like, yo, you want to fight next month? I got you. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I mean, he's going like uh, like little miniature Clubber Lang right now. Who else wants some of Tebow, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Tebow. Um, you know, um, but that's good. I mean, it's fun. It helps sell the fight a little bit. Um, that's probably the most interesting thing about this fight to me. I mean, you know, do you do you do you look? Do you like? Are you do you do you like Jesse Vargas? Does anybody like Jesse Vargas? Negator. Yeah. I, I hate look, to say that. Not, I mean, I, he's—I I don't mean like—and that's—that's that's no, me. I just mean he's, he, I look. 
Except for his last fight when he did what he decisioned Antonio DeMarco in his last I mean, fight. That was that, that and plus the value of that just got just oh, sank a little course. bit after after DeMarco got, you know, beat up by uh, our boy Rancis Bartholomew, Friday night light Friday night fights legend. <laughs> well Vargas showed some some hop in that, showed a little bit of action, showed some excitement. Before that, his fights have been boring and he's gotten a lot of decisions which he really didn't deserve. Or at least he you know, it didn't deserve to be as wide as it was. So he hasn't really won me over, but he's gonna have the height, you know, advantage in this one. He's he's the the better pure boss. Boxer, I would say, of the two, but look, Tim Bradley fights evolve into a brawl no matter what you say or whatever the situation or who he's fighting or whatever it is, because that chip on the shoulder builds, he gets touched, and you know, he, he fought Marcus like a true boxer. I don't think we're ever going to see that guy again, because Tim just loves to fight. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, and I think that he can, I think that he can beat, I think he can beat I mean, we'll talk about this later, but I think he can beat Jesse Jesse Vargas in a brawl, in a boxing match, and you know BKB, uh, and BKB, yo, put him in the circle, put him in the pit, let Jesus Sotocaras be the uh, be the referee. He I might don't, be able know, to beat him in a Taekwondo bro match um, too, you know? <laughs> he, no doubt. Uh, but um, yeah, I, you know. Um, besides that, is there? Is it, I mean, so we're we're sort of saying this fight sounds a little bit. Like a foregone conclusion, although you know you never know. I mean, Bradley oh, is tough fight. Bradley is, as... uh, has surprised us before. Last time he had a fight that was supposed to be easy like this, or both times really, there was the Provodnikov fight and then the Chavez fight last year, which I thought he won clearly, but ended up a draw. So these are almost more unpredictable than his big fights. Well, the, yeah. So the question becomes, you know, if we assume Bradley's going to win, I think we're both predicting him here. You know, I predict him that he's going to win a, a decision and it's in a close fight, which will turn into an action fight at the end. It's kind of more about what could be next for Bradley. Where does he fit in right now, politically, in and around that 147-pound division? So my question to you, Rafe, is it more likely with a victory here that Bradley sort of, you know, he's on the other side of 30, that he devolves into more of a long-term opponent for top-ranked guys on the way up, like a Terrence Crawford, eventually a a Felix Verdejo, or is it more likely that because Tim is so fired up, as he said, and he was ready to fight fight anybody, that he might chase somewhat ill-advised Dare to be great super fights, you know, with Canelo, Cotto, Triple G, Klitschko, Aki Bono, Kimbo <laughs> Slice, you know, whoever is available to this guy. I mean, I, I, what's your take? Where, where's this guy going? If I don't. Will? I look. I. I per, I don't I I could see him going. I mean, he was already mentioned as a potential Cotto and Canelo opponent. Uh, you know, so he they've thought about it before. He's obviously willing to do it. He brings a name. He brings credibility. He brings toughness to those fights. But I want to see him stay at 147 and 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 be a player in that division because he deserves that. I mean, he's been near the top of it for a long time. Mayweather and Manny both look like they could be on their way out uh, of their you know of their careers in the next couple years and Bradley's only 31 you know and he could uh he's he's still around he he could be around for a, a good while another you know three four years at, at near his peak uh, and I want to see how he plays out against those guys I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Kel Brook near the end of the year I know that you know they've been going back and forth with uh with uh, Brandon Rios a little bit but you know if, if that means since they haven't made it yet if Bradley wins this fight on Saturday uh and looks pretty good why not just move on to uh why does I hope Eddie Hearn and and the people with with Kel Brook move on to not looking bad. at Bradley and try and put not that to that is a great fight. Not bad. And completely off topic here for a second. You get a lot of combination of praise and criticism for your Manny Pacquiao uh oh. you know pronunciation of his name. I mean, you just have an ear Never for these down. kind of things, Vincent Van Bro. I mean, you do. But you don't get enough credit for your Canelo pronunciation. You know, is this the Southern California coming out on you? You you don't drop the traditional American Canelo. You do a 
Canelo. I don't know. I mean, it's you're just, almost like a Canelo, like a like uh, a Saul. You know, you're I, look. I don't. Like, I don't speak Spanish. I don't pretend to speak Spanish. But I mean, you know, I I, I know how to soften a vowel. And you know, what's wrong with the uh, what's wrong with trying? You're um, a man of the world. Dude. I guess. I guess most a lot of people do think there is something wrong with trying. But uh, I get you know, <laughs> I, I, they'll one someone will win either them or me. Uh, time will tell. Well, look, look, Rafe, I think we're both predicting here Bradley's going to win, so we can wrap up this fight in full. But there's one other pay-per-view fight card that no one's talking about this weekend, so I have a question for you, Rafael. Do you care? Saturday night from Las Vegas, BKB, the pit is back, and in the co-main event, Shane Mosley Jr., do you care? Who is he fighting? I don't know. No, I don't care. You know, I mean, the, the the only thing I hope happens this weekend, the one thing I hope happens this weekend is that Eric Morales in Jesse Vargas's corner gives us some sort of callback to, you know, every boxing fan's favorite corner moment in HBO hist- recent history. <laughs> uh, the, the time, was this against Zahir Rahim? Yes. Yeah. The king, the, the king. You know, so, so Morales is getting upset by Zahir Rahim and everyone is like, why is this happening? He's fighting really listless and his dad is in the corner trying to revive him and he, and, and they, they play the sound clip and it, and it just, it, it just boom. It was magic. Okay, Eric, deep breath now. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your ball. Come on, let me let me put some water on your ball. Yeah, I think you we know, all deserve that once in a while. You know, that's that's the best. Uh, you know, and I, I hope I hope Jerry Olaya. That wasn't Jerry Olaya translating back then, but I bet no, he'll that was be Ray there. Torres for, back then. Yeah, day. I bet I bet he'll be there uh, on Saturday, and I hope that uh, you know when the moment comes, he rises to the occasion and uh, and gives the people what they want, as we say here at Grambling. <laughs> By the way, in closing, BKB kind of missed the mark by not basically becoming boxing senior division and doing these hashtag old guy fights like I want. You know, you're telling me you wouldn't want to see Shane Senior right now, maybe against like Mayorga yes. in a BKB pit. They're, they're missing the mark on that. I mean, good luck on selling this pay per view. I, I like their concept, but you know, if your if your highest marquee name is Shane Mosley, well, it's Jr. sad for Saint Shane Mosley Jr. that in, in a promotion that seems to be focusing on over the hill guys, uh, a, a fighter so early in his career is so already. His best opportunities are coming in BKB. I mean, I think that unfortunately for 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 him tells us something about where what what his prospects are. Yeah, dude. Unless he's fighting his dad in that pit, I'm not. I don't know if I'm tuning in. <laughs> that that even I don't know if I would pay to see that. That's With pretty. That's Coke pretty grim, man. In the Coleman, like, yeah. It's right. like let's, the, let's the, the alimony bowl. Uh, <laughs> Let's get out of here. Look, man, we yeah, uh, we're going to get out of here. Um, we definitely want to thank uh, David Lemieux uh, for, for giving us some time, giving us a great interview today. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, please, if you haven't already, check us out on iTunes, rate us, review us, do all those nice things. Uh, keep subscribing, tell some friends, tweet at us, at B Campbell. Uh, ESPN and at Rafe Boogs. One day I will get Brian's Twitter handle right without tripping over it. Um, and of course, a big thanks to uh, Joe Fuentes and David Jacoby, the producers at the Grantland Network. Uh, you know, looking forward to seeing Tim Bradley go crazy this weekend. How about you, B? Absolutely. Absolutely. Should be a good one. We'll see you next time. Broski and Hutch is out. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.